Thank you, Pastor Jordan, for leading us. And church, this morning, as we open up God's word and we open up God's heart, I believe that we're gonna face one of the greatest commands, one of the hardest commands for us to, to put into practice as believers, as the church, and that is to love our enemies and to pray for those who are persecuting us. And this morning, turn with me to Matthew 5. The Sermon on the Mount opens with this, and Jesus saw the crowds. As I got up this morning and I was getting ready for the sermon and as I was going through God's word, just presenting this before him, that, that phrase just stood out to me, Jesus saw the crowds. And I asked the question to the Lord, what did you see that day, Lord? When you saw the crowds and you began to pull your disciples in close for their very first sermon by you, what did you see when you looked out at the crowds? Did you see your enemies? As he began to teach them, it says that eight times he taught, blessed are those followed by. And then one time he made it very specific. One time he said, blessed are you. And then he gives this statement. Helps us to lean in a little bit of what it is to come. He says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And judging by the prayer response after the first sermon, we have enemies. We are dealing with people in our lives that, that persecute us. And sometimes this can be an overwhelming experience for us. But Jesus calls us to a different light, a different way. Even as he goes through the sermon, the next thing he shares, he talks about their identity, that they are salt, that they are valuable, that they are light in darkness, that they are called to live a different way. And that he has come to fulfill what the law has said about him and that we are not to set aside the law at any point. He actually gives a warning. Anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And as Pastor Rick has been teaching us over the last little bit, he's been teaching us about these six statements. Have you, you have heard it said statements. He just finishes giving a warning about changing the law and then he has to correct the teachings of the Pharisees and starts his disciples in the, on the right path with the truth. You've heard it said about murder and adultery and divorce and oaths and eye for eye, revenge. And today I will tackle the hardest of them all, I think, is to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. Let's pray. Father, we just give you this time and ask that you would come by the power of the Holy Spirit and minister. But for Christ, we would be an enemy of you. And this morning, God, we need to know and understand our role and responsibility when it comes to dealing with people who do not like us and come against us and say things and hurt us and persecute us, what are we to do? Only you can teach us, God. Help us not to fall into the trap of pop culture and just what's popular, but help us to dig into the truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We all deal with conflict. We will all have tension in our relationships. How we handle that tension matters. Some of us just forget and move on. It's a phrase that's given to us. Others will say, just forgive and, and stay separate. Or how about, just ignore them. That's their issue. You don't really have to deal with the conflict. You can just stay separate. 
or just find new friends or, or just do better. How many of you have heard this, these phrases as counsel dealing with people we have, are in conflict with? Usually these phrases are lingering in the background. Parents sometimes will say to their kids, they come home, Johnny comes home and says, Dad, dealing with this guy and, and the counsel is just stay separate or find new friends or don't play with him. Even sometimes when we're on sports teams, our coaches, our coaches can come to us and we're having tension or we're not getting enough playing time and they'd say, just do better or give a better effort and you'll, be, you'll have more playing time. It's on you to do better in this situation. Or sometimes you will meet with a passive pastor. You won't find them here, but they're out there. And these passive pastors will just say, oh, well, you know, we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. So maybe if you just come to the nine o'clock and that person you have tension with can go to the 11 o'clock, just stay separate. Or even you just deal with it like the Pharisees did. Stick to your own kind. But each of us, In this broken world, we'll have communication breakdown. We will have stressful situations that don't get resolved. And we will have tension with others. And if it's not dealt with properly, we are in danger of putting people in these categories. Categories such as that person right there is my enemy. So what do you do? If you have an enemy, do you just forget and move on? Do you forgive and stay separate? Do you just ignore them? Do you just find new friends, just go to a different service, maybe even go to a different church, or even seems to be popular right now, I won't even go to church anymore. I'll just stop going altogether. As we open up our Bibles this morning, Jesus will teach us that we are not called to do any of those things. But we are called to a better way as disciples. We are called to a different kind of life, empowered by God to love. Turn with me to Matthew 5, 43 through 48, as we look at Jesus instructing his disciples on how to love your enemies. Verse 43 says this, You have heard that it has been said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. It is he who causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that, but be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the reading of God's word. May add a blessing to this morning. As we dive in, and in the sixth antithesis, Jesus is commanding the disciples to go against misguided teaching and to love like God. This final address of the Sermon on the Mount is paramount to the walks as followers of the way, both for the disciples themselves and for us today. And I believe that we need to get this teaching right because we get it wrong sometimes both in understanding and in practice, for our own being, for the health, our own spiritual health, but also for the health of the church. We need to know and understand how to do this well. And to help us understand this command, I will exegete all six verses one at a time and give us a key word to help us remember. And our six key words for us this morning, six verses, six six key words, are seek, know, understand, acknowledge, display, 
and live. So let's dive in and learn what we are supposed to do. The first thing that we see is God is calling us to know truth and to seek out truth. Have you ever read something on social media that sounded really good and then you reposted it? You come back to your post later on and someone has said false. You reposted something that wasn't true. Sounded good, looked good. You threw it up there, but it was false information. Or maybe you have a certain practice in your life that you've grown up with. Maybe you've always done something that you've, you, you learned from your parents and then later on in life, you realize that it's wrong. In this beginning text, in verse 43, Jesus wants us to know truth. And when we're dealing with enemies and dealing with people that are persecuting us and dealing with people that are coming to get against us, it's very easy for us to jump into pop culture. He is reminding us that we always have to go back to truth in how we are when we are dealing with people that are coming against us. We need to seek out truth. Look what he says in verse 43. He says, you've heard it said. There is a teaching out there, and you've heard it. You know it. Love your neighbors and hate your enemies. Jesus is starting to call out practices. He's been doing this for the last six teachings, but he's calling out a practice that was being taught by the Pharisees and religious leaders that's simply not true. It's, it's okay to hate. It is okay to put, for you to put people in specific categories and then to hate them. But the reality of the Bible, if you search the Old Testament and the New Testament, 66 books, 33,000 verses, you go through that, nowhere does it say that you are, hate your, you are to hate your enemies. Nowhere in the Old Testament does it command you to hate your enemies. In fact, priestly law commands in Leviticus 19.18 that you shall not take vengeance nor bear grudge. Proverbs 25, 21 says, if your enemy is hungry, it is on you to feed them. If they are thirsty, it is on you to provide them a drink. We are not called to hate. So the first thing that Jesus is calling out is hating is, is fake news, guys. And the Pharisees may be doing it, and you might have done it in the past, but as a follower of me, when you pick up your cross, you do not get to hate people. You can pray. You can pray to be delivered from your enemies. You can pray to be protected from your enemies. We had people doing that this morning. After service, asking for prayer, like there's people coming against me in my life. I want to do the right thing. Will you pray with me, pastor? Yes, let's pray. That's what we're called to do. You can be shielded from your enemies. But we're not called to hate our enemies. Nowhere does it say to hate your enemy. Nowhere does it say to put them in a specific category and to bring malice against them and to plot against them. Somewhere in the teaching to the community, people were encouraged to place people in categories and treat people in those categories a certain way. Like it was okay to go against somebody in such a vicious way. And as we read through the scriptures, we're going to see these categories that are being formed. And also, we're going to see how Jesus interacted with all of those categories and all those people. And as believers, we are called to act like Jesus, not like the people. And some of those categories we see even from our verse this morning, we're going to see neighbors and enemies. Each of us have neighbors. Each of us have enemies. We have friends and foes, circumcised and uncircumcised, clean and unclean, good and evil. In our passage, righteous and unrighteous, Jews and Gentiles. The Pharisees and religious leaders, they were teaching that they were to love your neighbors, love those people, 
that you consider neighbors. Who were, the, who were they considering to be their neighbors? Well, anyone who was Jewish, anyone who was circumcised, anyone who was following the law. You could love on them and be nice to them and, and do good to them. But anybody outside of the Jewish people, the uncircumcised, the, those, we have words like those dogs, these people are being referred to. You can go against them. You don't have to help them. You can just walk by them. If they're struggling, if they're in need, you don't have to do anything for them because they're not for us. They're not our, in, our neighbors. They're our enemies. So we see foes, unclean, evil, uncircumcised, unrighteous, enemies, Gentiles, Samaritans. It is okay if you see these people that you can hate on them. We have this exact teaching in our culture today. If people don't agree with us, we can hate them. We can do all kinds of things against them, and that's not biblical, and that's not what Jesus is saying to us. The word of God does not teach this, and we are not called to live like this. There is no license for us to do this. There is no justification that allows us if, for Christians to be hating and scheming to do evil, to plot evil against others. So when we are tempted with people in our lives who are coming against us and hurting us and saying all kinds of false things against us, and our temptation in our flesh is to battle and to go against them, Jesus says, seek the truth. Go back to the truth. And that's so hard for us, isn't it? Sometimes we don't want to do that. Oh, Lord, why do I have to do that? Why do I have to go and read the word? Why can't I just retaliate? I have a good zinger. I can just come back at them. And we can just battle this out. But Jesus wants us to know the truth and to seek the truth. And the truth is this. No. Verse 44, he says, you've heard, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, but I want to tell you something different. I'm going to flip it up on you. I'm going to flip the script today. This is what you are called to do as a believer. This is what we are called to do as believers. I tell you the truth. I tell you, love your enemies. What? Really, Jesus? Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they said about me? Do you know what, the, what, what they continually do on a regular basis to my family? Yeah, I do. And I'm going to tell you something. Love your enemies. And if they're persecuting you, pray. This is a packed verse. God is calling us to know who our enemies are and what we are to do for them. And this is an internal reflection that each of us have to take as believers. We have to know and understand, not just to place people in a category, but actually know who our enemies are. How do we define enemies? Who are our enemies? Why are we called to pray for them? Well, to answer those questions, we really need to have to look at, we really have to look at Jesus' life. And I wanted to ask the question, who was Jesus' enemy? Jesus seemed to have enemies all around. Would you say that the Pharisees and the religious teachers and the scribes, were they his enemies? It seems like they were coming against him. But then he talked to other people like Nicodemus, seemed to have an, a, a relationship with him. What about the Gentiles and the Samaritans? The Gospels talk about like you can walk by them and hurt them and not help them. But Jesus seems to do the opposite. Were they his enemies? One day he went, in to, went into the well and met the woman. And he confronted her life. Was she an enemy? He, they seemed to have a great conversation. What about the Romans? 
The Roman soldiers, they beat Jesus. They punched him in the face. They ripped out his beard. They, they put, threw insults at him. They twisted up a crown of thorns and stuck it on his head. They stripped him naked and ripped his clothes up and gambled for them. They mocked him. Were they his enemies? It's easy to see that, yeah, they're his enemies. Look what they did to him. But what about Pontius Pilate? Was he his enemy? What about Pontius Pilate's wife? Was she an enemy? Sometimes we will put people in categories like if you go against me, then yeah, you're an enemy. But if, if Jesus was nice to them, maybe, maybe they weren't his enemy. Who were Jesus' enemies? And the reality is this. Anyone who is not for God is an enemy of God. That's what the scriptures teach. Anyone who is not actively pursuing God is against God. Think of your own life. Are you for God or are you against God? Sometimes we talk about people who are not saved and outside of faith, but we never usually use the word enemy of God. Even today, we, we had a direction from, our, from Pastor Rick, which is bang on, and we need to do this as a church. We need to be praying all week for the people that are coming next week. But would we, would we testify usually and say, those people next week are enemies of God? If they're not doing the will of God, they are enemies of God, and the wrath of God is coming against them. That's why it's valuable for us to know and understand what we are called to do for people who are outside of faith. Anyone who does not do the will of the Father was his enemy, and anyone who didn't believe in him was his enemy. Luke 11.23 says, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. One day Jesus was teaching in a house, his disciples come to him and they, Jesus, your, your mother and your brother and your sisters. Yes, Jesus had brothers and sisters. They're outside. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? Who, are my, who is my mother? Anyone who does the will of the Father in heaven is my family. Jesus had enemies. But he didn't hate them. Even before Pilate, he was silent. Even on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Every day when he got up, he was going into a battlefield of people that were not for him. But he didn't go around hating them, and he didn't go around gathering people, gathering his disciples together to plot evil against them. He actually did the very opposite, and that's what Jesus calls us to do as well. And it is the hardest thing to do. That's why we need to teach it and we need to help each other in the practice of it because he got up and he loved people and he prayed for them and he healed them and he told them the truth and he corrected them and he confronted them and then he went to a cross and then he died for them and those them, that's us sitting here today. There was once a time that we were an enemy of God, but for the grace of God, the wrath of God would be coming for us. But thanks be to Jesus Christ, who has gone to the cross of Calvary and has given us his righteousness. Amen? Jesus calls his disciples to love and to pray. But here lies the issue. How do we define our enemies? Sometimes we do what the Pharisees do. And the Pharisees did this. If you don't like what I like, you're my enemy. If you don't support what I support, you're my enemy. 
And if you don't do what I do, you're my enemy. If people disagree with our health choices, they're our enemy. If people disagree with our sports teams, that's a little petty, but they're my enemy. That's not what Jesus is calling an enemy. Matthew 10 says this, you will be hated by everyone because of me. When you actively pursue Christ, you pick up your cross daily. You live as salt and you live as light and you go into this world and you live for an audience of one, you will have enemies because your life is offensive. My life is offensive to people that don't know God. People hate me and they don't even know why. I know why. I have Jesus in my life. I have a real God who is love, who is acting bef before me, going ahead of me, who has planned out my life, who has given me new life. And when I get around people who don't know that new life, their spirit and the Holy Spirit are in confliction and people start to hate upon us. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown them before my Father in heaven. That's a warning. We are called to live a witness. We are called to live saved. Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to this earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Christians, be careful you don't place someone in a category as an enemy just because they don't agree with you. We put someone in a category and we label them an enemy and then we use pop culture, we stay away from them, we go to different services, we miss out on the opportunity for them to really be healed in Christ. We, get, we miss out on the opportunity of Christ working in our life and softening our hearts and winning those people towards the truth. Anyone who is not for Christ is against Christ. They are an enemy of God. And Jesus is telling his disciples, I have enemies, and because you follow me, you will have enemies too. And the people even after first service came to me praying, like, I have lots of enemies in my life because I am living for the Lord. And most of those people are in my family. I bet you we could testify to that, that our lives make people in our family's lives miserable because we love Jesus. We believe church is essential. We hold the truth in high regard. We actually learn how to actually apply it to our lives and live a different way. So an, anyone, an enemy is anyone who persecutes you for your love and commitment to Christ. It is not people who disagree with you and don't support your essential oil business. You gotta know the difference. Your real enemies are those who are coming after you because of your love for God and our action steps need to be this. We need to pray. That's what Jesus says. He says we need to pray. And prayer actually does stuff. What does prayer actually do for us? Prayer helps us, helps mold our hearts to be like God's heart. God could crush us. God could come against us at any moment. God has massive wrath. We pale, even if all of the people in the whole world came against God at the same time, <laughs> it'd be a joke before the Lord. God is strong. But prayer helps mold our hearts to be like God's. It softens our hearts towards our enemies. 
We begin praying for those who are persecuting us. We begin, begin praying for those people in our family that don't see the truth. We ask the Lord to help them. That molds our hearts so that we are bringing the people before them and we're not acting out in anger. And prayer reminds us who's in charge. We're not in charge. And sometimes we think that we can just save people or we can actually do certain things so people will come in alignment with God. Only God saves. Only God changes hearts. Only God can do this. And we need to know our rightful place. And our rightful place is if we do have enemies in our lives that are persecuting us, our responsibility is to pray. And that might be hard for you. I want to admit that this morning. That might be the hardest thing for you, to pray for someone who's been hurting you, hating on you, and coming against you, saying all kinds of things against you. But prayer is what God wants us to do. Wants us to do. He wants us to pray that they will know the real and true God, that they, that they would be saved, that they would surrender. That's what we need to pray, that they would surrender their lives and pick up their crosses and that they would be on mission with you. you can't be, we can't be enemies with each other if we're on the same mission. We see this in Paul's life. Paul, was, uh, Paul had the perfect resume to boast when it comes to the Jewish life. He says this, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. In regards to the law, a Pharisee, and as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? When Jesus shows up in a person's life, it all changes. Paul, being a Jewish Pharisee, living by the law, hated. He hated Christians. And Jesus showed up and changed his whole life. We need to be praying for conversions like that, for the people that are coming against us. Number three, our key word is understand. Verse 45, understand who you represent to others. In verse 45, Jesus comes out and he continues in his teaching. And he says, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. When he says in verse 45 that you have been children of your Father in heaven, that doesn't mean a qualification for salvation. But it's actually a symbol of your regeneration. Regeneration is the new life that takes place when you give your life over to Christ, when you are saved. We know we are justified, we are adopted, and we are regenerated. God gives us the Holy Spirit. He takes out this heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh. To refrain from hating or doing evil towards your enemies who are persecuting you and you begin to pray for them, you are displaying a true understanding of, of a radical reorientation that has taken place in your life. Only saved people are able to pray for their enemies. Because saved people live different and that draws attention to the fallen world. And authentic Christianity is not, it's not expressed as often as we think by a zeal against the enemies of God. But saved people are radically reformed people. See, us as saved people, we have this treasure that has been freely given to us. And as part of this free gift of salvation, believers are given this new heart. And with this new heart and through this new birth, you sit here today capable, fully capable 
of loving those who hate you because of what God has given to you. You love with the love of God. Believers also have an endless supply of God's love to pursue an enemy. Often we want to stay away from, God says, with this type of love that has come through salvation, in through regeneration, you can actually pursue your enemies. You go on mission against your enemies in love, praying for them. Who does that in this world? Disciples are to live a radically different life. And for some of us, this is going to be a radical shift in our religious practice. Christians who pray for those who persecute them demonstrate to the world they are known by God and they possess understanding of this great love that God has for his church. And as you pursue and you become a peacemaker, remember what Pastor Rick taught us in the Beatitudes. He says that Jesus declared, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be sons of God. This is the same phrase. He just reiterates it a different way. When you love your enemies and when you are a peacemaker, you will prove to the world that you are a son of God. He goes on teaching his disciples by using an illustration about creation. He says, look at the sun, look at the rain. He causes the sun and the sun to rise in the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. This is called common grace. His grace every day is poured out on his enemies. Every time you see the sun, common grace. Every time you see the rain, common grace. God has enemies in this world and he shows grace. He is showing, he is holding back. Love is on display every day. It should be a great reminder every time we go outside and it's raining that God is holding back his wrath, wanting us to live a witness. It should remind us that God's grace is for us. When you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, you show the world you are a child of God, which moves us into living a better way, acknowledgement, verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward do you get? Not even the task like the task collectors are doing the same thing. If we are truly regenerated and truly living this witness and truly living for an audience of one and really taking serious what God is teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount, then we need to acknowledge as a church, we need to tell each other that there is a better way to live. You can't just love the people that already love you, that praise you. Because what happens is we miss out on all of those other people around us. Each of us have a great pattern. We have patterns. We're pattern-driven people. And it can be very easy for us just to keep our heads down and do our own thing every single day and miss out with the people that are around us. They might not actually be your enemy, but they could be an enemy of God's. And we get to infuse a gospel-rich life. We get to share the good news of Jesus Christ. When people come in next week, as Pastor Rick has said, we're going to pray and they're going to come in here. We, the church, called out ones, get a great opportunity to say, hey, do you know Jesus? That might be a terrifying statement. You might not even have ever said that. And this could be your week. God could be putting you at the plate. This could be your week. Do you know Jesus? Do you know of his love? Acknowledge that there is a better way. We can't just keep loving the same people who love us. 
And he goes on after that and says the next one to display, display a better way. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do you not? Like, come on, guys, pagans. The pagans do that. What would happen if you came into church today and I was, uh, I was greeting at the door? Hey, welcome. Come on in. It's good to see you. Just want to let you know you're a pagan. You're living like a pagan. How would you respond to me if that was the welcome? Yeah, Joel just said he'd punch me in the face. <laughs> it's, yeah, nobody wants to be called pagan. Nobody wants to be called as if they're living oblivious to the life-saving truth and redemptive work of Jesus Christ. But is Jesus saying this? When we don't go past ourselves as the church, when we hang out with our own kind, when we miss out on the opportunity to pray and seek and, and go after those who may be persecuting the church, we definitely have enemies in this world. The church has enemies. Pastor Rick has a whole bunch of enemies because he's a pastor. We need to be praying for Rick. We need to pray, be praying for the pastors. We need to be praying for your deacons. We need to be praying for each other. But we also need to be praying that God would give us divine appointments that we can share his life-saving truth. Amen? And he goes on and finishes it this way. Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. He says that not only do we have to live like we're saved, but we have to live the perfect way. When we look at that word, it's translated in the Greek, teleos, which means a perfection of, or the pursuit of perfection. And what Jesus is doing is because we are saved, justified, adopted, regenerated, teleos is sanctification. It's, we're positionally saved and we're progressively growing in holiness. So when he says to us, live the perfect way, he's saying, get up every day as a Christian, pick up your cross and live a way that is holy. Sanctification refers to the Christian process of being made holy over time as we are obedient to God. So when Jesus calls us to be perfect, we must consider a few factors. The first thing, we have to remember our depravity. There's no way that we can absolutely be perfect now, but because of the imputation of Jesus' righteousness, he takes our sin, gives us his righteousness, we can pursue this perfection. In our sanctification, we are called to be perfect in this area. We are called to not give up on the people who may have given up on God. COVID has divided. And there are people that used to be here that aren't here and they're giving up on God and we have to call them. We have to reach out. We have to pray for them. We are called not to give up on people who may have given up on you. Maybe the last two years has been hard on your life and there have been people who are exiting your life. We can't give up on those people. It is so easy for us to put them in a category and say, no, we're just going to stay separate. But that is not what God wants us to do. And if people have given up on you and they're hurting you and they're persecuting you, it's time to enter a season of prayer and seek the Lord on their behalf. And we are not called to hate those who are persecuting us. We are not called to come with a sword and hurt them. We don't just forget and move on. We don't forgive, just forgive and stay separate and we just don't ignore them. Because saved people have the ability to love those who hate them and persecute them. And saved people are called to be teleos in the pursuit of obeying this command. And saved people can abide in what Jesus is calling us to do. We can do this. Will you do this? Will you pray for your enemies? 
with the gospel-saturated truth? Will you pray for those who hurt you? Will you allow God to fill you with the love and then you pour that love on your enemies? You've heard it said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies, but I tell you the truth. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Let us pray. God, will you help us this morning? Will you help us to love our enemies? Will you give us the strength this morning to pray for those who persecute us? Will you help us to pray for those who would want to hurt your name and hurt your church and hurt your deacons and pastors and leaders and hurt our lives? We want to give you the strength. We ask that you would give us the strength for we are weak, you are strong. Give us the strength and the desire to earnestly and honestly pursue our enemies with gospel-infused love. And Lord, we admit today that that is so hard for us. But I believe that saved people can abide in this command. So help us, O Lord, to not forsake what you are teaching us in your word. Come, Spirit, help. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, beloved, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. And I wonder if he, when he saw the crowds, did he see all of the enemies of both him and the disciples? And did he know if he didn't clearly get this teaching across to them that they would go on this pursuit of fighting back instead of loving praying and pursuing those who are persecuting them. The disciples had a hard life, and this is not an easy teaching. That's why we need to remind each other, help each other, pray for each other. He began to teach them to, that they needed to live differently in this world, and we need to do that very thing too. We need to live saved. As believers, we are being transformed from one glory to another, and we live with the Holy Spirit and as we live saved lives, we are able to pray for our enemies. We are able, able to pursue those who persecute us and come against us. And as for Calvary Baptist Church, Oshawa, those who have been saved, guys, we live saved. We have this truth inside of us. We need to know the truth and we need to live it. Pastor Rick challenged us this morning. Let's pray every day this week for those people next week and look for those divine appointments. If God gives you an opportunity, ask them, do you know King Jesus? Have a great week. Bless you. Your pastors will be up front to pray with you. We love you.